What's up, everybody? You're listening to Suds Buds Presents Pints and Pixar, the podcast where we chat about the films of our childhood over an adult beverage. I'm Eric Anderson, host of the show, and with me, as always, my co-host, Mr. Nate Uppadel. What's going on, dude? How we doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. It's been a it's been a good week so far. Yeah, yeah. Nice lot of lot of sunshine. Um, it's been beautiful. Some, some weird like rain that made my car sticky. I'm still trying to like figure out what happened there. You know, I wouldn't feel too weird. It did the same thing to my car. I was looking at it on the way home. Okay. We got like the same weird kind of filmy, tacky little drops on it. Yeah, like I got the only thing I can think is like pollen, right? Like we're dealing with like high pollen counts and wet pollen. Wet pollen. That's a weird, weird thought. Wet pollen. <laughs> running the running the streets. Running the streets. <laughs> Making everybody's car sticky. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. Um Yeah, man, what else is new? What you been up to this week? Uh just uh prepping. I got uh, a little bachelor party coming up this weekend. Nice. Um, moving over to northeast. Um You say that so casually, but where's this bachelor party at, dude? It is in Tampa, Florida. Yeah, yeah, you're flying yeah, out, man. Exactly. I'm catching a friggin' river disease, or or it's not worth it. <laughs> Gonna get a river disease, swamp disease. I don't know, whichever one's more common. Might fight an alligator. Well, uh, f- former host of the show, Dustin, he he just came back from a little Florida trek, and he made it back safe. Uh, uh, I mean, he didn't look he didn't look like he made it completely back. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he looked pretty worse for wear, and that was like two days after. Yeah, his uh, the chassis made it back, but uh, <laughs> the engine got some miles on it that weekend. <laughs> oh, just a little fella. Miss him. I mean, I see him every week, but I miss him. Uh, yeah, what else? Any any other cool stuff? I know you, you went and got lunch with your grandpa today. Yep, did get lunch with grandpa. Dude, double grandpa lunches this week. I got lunch with my grandpa yesterday. You got lunch Dude, with your we, grandpa today. We should double grandpa lunch. Dude. We're just a couple of double grandpa lunch boys. I mean, think about it. like they'd both probably be kind of mean to the wait staff. Um, I don't know if your grandpa does that. My grandpa definitely does. Yeah, not not so much. I think he'd be. He's not pretty I, I, chill. I shouldn't be phrasing it as mean. He's just very short with them. Um, you know, he gets his he gets his classic cheeseburger. No no vegetables, um, just bread, meat, and cheese, um, and uh, a Corona. That's his go-to right now. It's not a bad lunch. Not a bad it's lunch. A, it's, a, it's a simple one, but it's a man who knows what he wants and, you know. Or just knows what he doesn't want. I think I think that's a better way to put it. Sure. Sure. But it sounds like your grandpa's kind of a guy, the kind of guy where it's easier on everyone to ask him what he likes versus what he doesn't like. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. It's yeah. a lot shorter list. Yes. Yep. Um cool man well that doesn't sound too bad yeah uh yeah i've had a pretty pretty good week so far like i said lunch with uh grandpa and the family yesterday got to go see the twins get uh absolutely shelled uh last night which was it was a good time uh i got to see my boy a studio hey. uh yeah la tortuga <laughs> got to see him come out and just throw some 
junk balls that were even too slow to register on the radar, just, just some fat pitches right over the plates, threw a few strikes, also like threw a fat pitch that got smacked like over the fence. So I was kind of like... It's got to be like a weird... Is that like weird when like you go to a home game, go mm-hmm. to your team's home game, and the opponents hit a home run, and you're like, oh, cool, I got a home run ball, but also like... It's because the other team did really well. Yeah. Are you asking, is it like a souvenir that you keep? Yeah. I mean, I'd assume you keep it, but like it just would feel like a weird souvenir to have. Yeah. I mean, if I, here's my thing, like as an adult, I don't work to catch foul balls or home runs. Like the only work I'm going to do is stand up and maybe put a hand in the air, Sure. but I'm not climbing over seats or like reaching over people. I'm not bringing a glove to a game. You know what I mean? But yeah, if a foul ball comes my way from like opposing team. Well, I'm not talking foul ball. I'm talking home run. Okay. Home run ball. Like, let's say I'm sitting home run porch at yesterday's game and I catch a White Sox ball as a Twins fan. Probably just going to flick that ball to a kid. <laughs> sure. Catch a Twins ball, especially if it's, you know, a good player. Like I said, I'm not going to go out of my way to try to snag that ball. But if I catch it, I'm probably going to, you know, hold it up, pocket it, you know, if it's, sure. a, if it's a homer. I think foul balls as an adult. If you're at a ballpark, like, rule number one, don't fight for that ball. Rule number two, if there's a kid within, like, 15-foot vicinity of you, toss a ball to a kid. It'll make his day. That's pretty fair. But that that ties in. Oh, go ahead. Well, I do like that you made the distinction, though. Like, if it was a White Sox ball, you're giving it to a child. Yes. You don't want it. And they won't know the difference, and and they'll be stoked. Yeah. So, okay, okay. So you hand it off to somebody that doesn't know the implications of the ball. Yes. Well, (laughs) exceptions to the rule. I mean, you know, let's say 15 years ago, you snag a Barry Bonds home run. Yeah, going to keep that. Sammy Sosa, going to keep that. Uh, Now I'm just naming players that have cheated. But (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I was just curious. I I was going to try to make a tie this in or, you know, segue in and yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, we can just—they're they're monsters. Hey, I did it! I did it for you. <sighs> yeah, well, thank you, Nate. Um, we're talking monsters today because this is Monsters Inc. Uh, this is the second time we'll be recording an episode that's not from the Toy Story series, and it feels pretty damn good. Yep. So, uh, yeah, this week it's Monsters Inc. Next week it's Monsters U. But. Uh, what do you say we we dive right on into this film? Hell yeah! Well, that's uh, I'm a little parched right now. Oh, that's right. So we I... should probably uh, get to the buds part of this episode. Which, as you're holding it, can I say one thing before we crack it? You you may. Want to send a very special shout out to a uh, friend and and listener of the podcast, um, Michael, over at Cub Foods Liquor. Always brightens my day anytime I'm on a beer run over there, which. Not going to lie, it sounds weird. You're like, the Suds Buds buy their beer from Cub Foods Liquor? It's like, well, the Suds Buds buy their, half of the Suds Buds buy their groceries from a Cub Foods grocery store. And it just so happens that their beer buyer brings in some good stuff. Uh, They have a good staff. And I always find some cool new new product there. So, uh, yeah, shout out to uh, Michael. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for, uh, you know slinging me and recommending me good beer always appreciate it um so just had to sneak that in there because i did buy this today um while i was there and had a chat with him he said he's been loving the show so oh yeah um yeah cub foods liquor um in our area 
definitely a, a go-to spot for me. Um, I'll go to uh, Ambibulous quite a bit, uh, Merwin's, and then every once in a while, if I have to track down something a little more exotic, uh, Total Wine. But that's yeah. kind of where, if people wonder where we buy a lot of our stuff, that's it for the most part. I try to support Ambibi as much as possible, just because they're local. They sell local, you know. And that's that's all they do, and I love it. But I also love one-stop shopping. And so when I want to do that, Michael and the fine folks over at Cub Foods Liquor, they, uh, they are proud suppliers of the Suds Buds. Oh, hell yeah. I just, uh, it hadn't dawned on me, but I just looked up how far it is from my house, my new house, to Ambibulous. And it is uh, five minutes. Damn, yeah, super close. Alrighty then coming at you <laughs> heck yeah well uh yeah I'll, I'll give it back to you do you want to introduce this beer i mean you picked it we'll give it to you i'm gonna crack it all right so uh we are drinking mike smash from tim tin whiskers out of uh st paul minnesota it's uh got head brewer mike walliford his likeness kind of combined with the incredible hulk on the front of it with some cool uh comic uh you know little explosions and bursts so i thought it was a cool design um it's a hazy ipa with nelson sauvin hops and uh 100 oats so yeah sounded like something i might like loved the can art and uh it fits in with you know monster because there's always that whole debate is hulk a monster is he not i mean i i kind of figured you were gonna go with like the the name of the head brewer is mike that plays too it's a it's a double whammy (laughs) Mike Wazowski. Mike was that, and Mike Wazowski is what color? Green. Hey, there you go. And as you will all see, if you uh, happen to check uh, the Suds Buds Instagram account weekly, you'll see a very uh, <laughs> well. Let's just say a disturbing post that uh, Nate made for us, as uh, me as Mike Wazowski. So <laughs> I'm Mike Wazowski. Right. Uh, it felt weird the whole time making that one. Um, but I'm happy with how it turned out. Oh, me too, man. I might just crop it and just make that my uh, my profile for all forms of social media. Maybe your phone lock screen. <laughs> Actually, that'd be a lot of fun. It'll put me in some weird algorithm, like for like one-eyed profile pictures. You think there's a lot of that? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure it loops you in something or puts you on some list. Hey, you can uh, you can run against Dan Crenshaw in Texas. Yeah, fuck Dan Crenshaw. <laughs> But I'm not going to put in the work to run against him. I'm just going to tell people don't endorse him. <laughs> That's fair. That's what I'm using the Suds Buds platform is to, uh, I'm using it to, to, to spread and speak my political agenda and, you know, hopefully, hopefully start something here. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't mean any of that. Please don't be hitting me up with weird shit. Only, only Pixar questions. And Tom Hanks. Dirt. Or beer. And Tom Hanks. Not even that. Just Pixar and beer questions or comments. <laughs> All right, let's let's dive in. We're uh, we're running behind schedule here, kid. All right. Um, so yeah, Monsters Inc. A little plot summary. So we start off um, in yeah in a kid's bedroom, I think. Yeah, kid's bedroom. Um, some stuff running around, kind of creepy. A uh, monster jumps out, scares the kid, and escapes through the door. And it opens to a factory um, where we find that all of these monsters, basically they're opening portals to the other world to scare children. 
um, to power their city, which, again, I don't want to dive too much into how ridiculous all of that is, but... They, they harness the screams and canisters converted into energy. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's that's their main power supply. Yeah, I, I just love, like, how, how did they get to that point? Like, it's a different world. They clearly needed the science to get to these places. I don't know. It just seems weird to me. Yeah, like, is it another dimension? Is it another planet entirely? Kind of seems like another planet or a dimension. I don't know. Are they aliens? That could be. These monsters ain't just uh, these aliens. Um, but anyway... Um, so yeah, we, then we kind of meet the two main characters, Mike and Sully, uh, best buds. They're working through, um, or yeah, they work together on the floor and we then get to, uh, or they finish up their work day and it's kind of fun. Cause like, just like, if you've ever worked in a factory job, I have, um, <laughs> I get the exact same shit. Yep. Like bell or whistle goes off or like big big sound comes on, everybody's sets down all their stuff, wanders out. Um and they uh shoot what Oh yeah. Actually I don't I'm trying to remember what happens next. Oh they We have the full start of the day. Yeah, full start of the day. Um which really sets up the characters right away. Yeah. Yeah. So then they yeah. Turns out they live together. Um, they're bunkmates. And Mike is kind of Sully's personal trainer as well about how to scare, yeah, how to get better at scaring kids. Um, and they really, like, the the actors really come through in this, where something we were talking about earlier, I don't want to dive too much into it because I don't even know if I have a concise way of explaining it, but basically, Toy Story, Buzz and Woody while they're maybe voiced by Tim Allen and Tom Hanks, you kind of forget that, and you just see them as Buzz and Woody throughout the franchise. But the filmmakers in, of uh, Monsters, Inc. and Monsters, U, as we'll talk about next week, um, they really want to constantly remind us that we're watching and listening to John Goodman and Billy Crystal <laughs> as, you know, themselves and then exaggerated versions of themselves. And... Uh, I don't think it's good nor bad. It's just, uh, it's you know, just an observation. I like them both. Um, but so I just wanted to insert that in there. It's a very different, um, different duo than what we've seen in our past films that we've talked about. Yeah, um, they got kind of a weird. I don't know. It also kind of seems as though the character models for these two are designed after picking the actors for. Like they knew what, kind of what they wanted ahead of time. And then they kind of tweaked it to make the monsters look a little bit like the people that were playing them. Yeah. Um, which is a pretty common thing that they do in movies. Um, or especially, yeah, in animated movies. Um, it kind of just... I don't know why, but it kind of just helps make the voice believable. Like, it helps to sell yeah. the voice a little bit more for the character when you know what that character... When you, what you, when you know what the voice actor looks like. Right. Um yeah, actually, like in Toy Story Four, Duke Kaboom kind of looks like Keanu Reeves. Yeah, and he's a Canadian. Yep, and he's kind of a stuntman, which yep. yeah, it, it it all makes sense. But uh, yeah, so this movie did a good job of that, and I think also, I mean, this can maybe be something we talk about later on. But I think uh, Mike and Sully's relationship in this film is a lot 
less, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I think their relationship's a lot healthier than Buzz and Woody's. Yeah. But also, Toy Story 1, they we're introduced to characters that are just meeting for the first time here. They've known each other for a long time. Yeah. And then we get the prequel later, but... I know I keep drawing comparisons to this and Toy Story, but I think it's it's fair since this is the first time we've seen another um, kind of buddy tandem on yeah. screen. A little buddy film. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, we so we get back. Um, yeah, they kind of go through their whole day. Uh, kind of a fun thing throughout this whole movie is that like everything is designed in a way where like you're. Like, you're familiar with what the items are. Like, even the cars or, like, the the fruit stands or just random things. The random construction of the city. But everything is made to look like Mike's car has fangs on it. Um, like, everything is a very monster. Like, built after monsters or inspired by monster features um, throughout the whole thing. Which is kind of just, yeah, it's a little more fun. Um, but anyway, they get back to the factory. Um, they kind of have this competition where we meet the main bad guy of the movie, Randall. He's like a weird ass, like lizard thing. Um, gecko. He kind of looks like a gecko. Salamander, I think almost. Salamander. I guess that would explain his like power. Like the whole... Yeah, well, it's kind of weird. He's, I think he's modeled more like a salamander. Oh, but no, his power, a... he's more like a chameleon. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He's just a weird ass looking lizard guy. Um, can turn color, or yeah, turn invisible basically. Voiced by everybody's favorite, <laughs> Steve friggin' Buscemi. I love it. Hello there, fellow children. <laughs> Even got like the the kind of eyes like him, like a little bulgy. Another one where yeah, his his character that he's portraying has uh, some mannerisms and and things that kind of resemble his real life yeah. counterpart. It's it's weird, but it's perfect. I it, love it. It really is. Steve Buscemi is a bad guy. It's so funny. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, yeah. So they kind of finish their day. They're it's both of those both. Um, Sully and Randall are trying to break the all-time scare record. Um, so there's a little competition back and forth. Day finishes up. Uh, I think Sully's ahead for the most part. And they're walking out. Mike's got a, a hot date with a uh, Medusa-looking character. Yeah, um, she's got snakes that also um, have personalities for yeah. hair. <laughs> kind of fun. Very fun. Um and Mike realizes that he didn't file his paperwork. So Sully decides to run back in and get the paperwork. and Where he sees a door that's still left, still powered on from the, on the scare floor. Uh, so he kind of goes and investigates that. Um, doesn't find any kid or anything. Then as he turns around, there's a kid that's playing with his tail. Yes. Um, something to note. Is that for some reason all of the monsters think that children are toxic? Yes, like completely poisonous. You will die. So the monsters are kind of like in a kind of made it into a game where the monsters are just as scared of you as you are of them. Yep, like that whole thing. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. 
But uh, so Sully freaks out, tries to get the kid back in the room. It's not working. Um, for like a weird toddler. I mean, how old do you think Boo is? Maybe right around two, if yeah. that. Probably even younger. Sure. Yeah, in that ballpark. Real damn quick for a two-year. Like, I don't know if you've been around a two-year-old recently. Yeah. They're not that fast. No, yeah. Like, I could easily beat one in a foot race. Yeah. <laughs> if we are assuming she's a two-year-old, she's a very fast two-year-old, but doesn't mm-hmm. speak in full sentences, really. Yeah. Knows a few words. Yeah, mostly gibberish. Kitty. Yep. Boo. Boo. Kitty and boo. Um, but, yeah. So, Sully's trying to get the kid back in the door. It's not working. In enters Randall. So mm-hmm. Sully tries to hide. Um, and Randall goes in the door, comes back out kind of looking confused, and sends the door away. So that kind of traps Boo in the monster world. Um, yeah, so- worth mentioning, like, sea of doors. Like this giant underground railway system where these doors just are coming and going in the masses. I mean, millions of doors, like as far as the eye can see each one entering presumably a a house in the human world. So she's a loss at this point. Like, yeah, they, he, I mean, you have to have the specific card to get the door back and, you know, memorize the, you know, the make of the door, which was, or like the style of the door, I guess, which was something that I thought was, they made a point of, of mentioning, you know, mm-hmm. white door with the flowers on it multiple times. And just hearing that as the viewer, it makes it really important when we finally get to that, you know, great visual of the sea of doors. And we know in our heads, we're like looking for this one needle in the haystack. And yep. I'm were you doing the same thing where you're like, yep. where is it, you know? Trying to peek through and yeah, find it in the, yeah, but the, the scene moves so quickly. Yeah, we're they're not... all unique. Like, it's not like you're seeing, oh, green door, blue door, pink door, green door. It's not like a repeating pattern. It's just like <sighs> Pixar again, just going all out. Like, talking, going back to animating the trash and stuff. Like, yep. in Toy Story, it's just... Well, and it's it's one wizards. of those, like, if, I mean, any kind of pattern in that. Like, kind of like we talked about with Bugs Life, um, with the ants and how those character models were made. Um, any... Patterns are pretty easy to pick up mm-hmm. unless they're huge, yeah. which at that point, you're not really making much of a pattern anyway, um, no. or you did most of the work anyway. So That's definitely my favorite scene of the movie, though. Oh, yeah. Like, just want to throw that out there. Like, that's the one that I remember it standing out when I watched it for the first time when I think I was probably eight when that movie came out, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe seven. Um and yeah, still to this day, like it's a weird like roller coaster type thing. I mean, it really is. It's basically a roller coaster with a bunch of doors. You know, mm-hmm. um, very reminiscent of the sequence in Toy Story Two at the airport. I think was something I mentioned in that episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, yeah. Yep. Or even Toy Story Three with like the garbage dump. Exactly. Yep. yep. Just, Just feels big. Yep. Bunch of moving parts. Um, well, yeah, all right, to now rewind, because that's like end of movie. We're only at, we just met Boo, Eric. Well, you <laughs> you were talking about her getting lost, going back to the door, and then them needing to finding it, 
or no like i was talking about when the door initially goes away oh gotcha gotcha yeah. gotcha um but that is where it is going yeah that is where it's going we just don't know that yet yeah um but anyway so <laughs> sully and boo kind of set off sully's still or yeah still convinced that boo is a toxic monster yes um kind of yeah p- puts her in a duffel bag essentially and brings her to where mike's date is um and boo gets out in this restaurant uh which is a real fun restaurant because it's like a sushi place but it's monster themed and like there's just there's a whole bunch of weird little subtle jokes um i think they're like on the men- one of the menus it says like slime shimi slime shimi instead of sushimi yep yeah that, yeah, they just they had a lot of fun with it. A bunch of just real simple dumb jokes. Oh yeah. Um uh yeah, but Boo gets out, all the monsters start freaking out, um and the whole place kind of gets put into a dome. There's a an organization that <laughs> works to contain children outbreaks. Um but Mike and Sully Mike, Sully and Boo escape. They get back to Mike's house. Um, and the more time they spend with, actually, this is kind of the first part, um, first time Mike tries to catch Boo and he ends up rolling, falling into a garbage can, mouth gets stuffed with books and then a stereo drops on his head. (laughs) It takes a lot of abuse and very small amount of time. Yep. Uh, that makes Boo laugh and it basically short circuits their entire apartment. Yep. And so that's kind of a, yeah, a little foreshadowing, um, but yeah, then Sully kind of starts noticing or realizing that Boo's not that scary. Um, no. And that's kind of like this whole thing is like where at first you kind of identify like, oh, what are the monsters doing? Like you kind of identifying with the children in the movie. Yes. But then later on you kind of realize, oh, like we're the monster or yeah, we're the monsters and we're not shouldn't be that scared of these things that seem scary. Yeah. Um, and even just the way the two different characters kind of react to Boo and come around to her, like, I feel like Sully's a lot quicker to, like, um, embrace her and realize that she's not scary, whereas Mike is scared of her for a longer period of time. It takes him a longer time to come around, but he is much more scared, I think, the whole movie of just the consequences surrounding it, the whole thing in his mind. I mean... How many times does he say we got to get the kid back or something of that variance, you know, like honestly, without Mike there, I'm not convinced that Sully wouldn't have just kept the kid. hundred percent. Yeah. Like, um, he would have probably left his job and, you know, gone MIA and tried raising a kid as a monster and yep, the monster world. Yeah, totally. I think that's the direction it would have gone. And I think he would have spent probably a weird life in hiding. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. But that doesn't make for a good children's film. So. No, no. Abduction does not make for a good children's film. No. Um, but anyway, so they, uh, yeah, they kind of, or they formulate a plan to get Boo back through her door. Um, uh, they cut up a bunch of furniture off of their, yeah, or cut up a bunch of fabric off their furnitures and dress her up as a little monster. And then they bring her back to the factory. Um, and that's kind of where all the cat and mouse sort of thing goes on where they're trying to keep her hidden and other 
monsters are looking for and she's trying to or yeah they're trying to get the door um a couple things happen but mike ends up finding or swiping a key card off somebody trying to basically push this problem under the rug mm. and brings in a door that is not booze door um that sully won't do it sully won't put boo through this other random door and just leave her stranded somewhere um they kind of get into a tiff movie carries on a little bit more and then there's this horrifying scene um where boo ends up kind of running through a hallway getting a little lost and she tears off part of or part of her costume and that part of the costume gets put into the trash and Sully sees like the piece sticking out assumes booze in the trash and then essentially gets watches this trash get pulverized I mean scorched compacted ground pressed yeah like, chopped put into a cube yeah a cube <laughs> um, basically with the eye still you know visible and he's walking around for this thing for you know a, a pretty good amount of time you know few scenes he's accepting the fact that he's holding the remains of a dead toddler in a in a compacted cube yep pretty friggin' dark i i feel like they kind of tried to brush over what that scene like what was happening in that scene yeah like oh no boo's gone but it's like yeah but you just made it like and we knew that boo wasn't in there like yeah, but Sully didn't. So we're watching Sully's reaction to thinking that this child that he's responsible for gets pulverized. Yeah, and how about his reaction? Even that was played off for a laugh. I mean, talk about rule of thirds. The dude faints and rises three times while mm-hmm. watching this kid go through a series of these recycling mechanisms. It's like, if that's not supposed to evoke a laugh from a kid watching this big blue monster just get woozy and go cross-eyed and faint three times, I mean, it's like, what is going on right now? It's kind of the maybe the only tone-deaf scene in the film, or just scene that felt a little out of place. Yeah, um, real weird scene. But anyway, they find out that Boo's fine, they get Boo back, um, and then they... Oh, then they get pulled into well, the day before Sully had actually had made a promise that he would go help train these new scare recruits. Um, so the scare recruits then, um, or they work in out of a simulator, um, basically a child's a simulating simulation of a child's room where they practice scare techniques. And the boss man, Mr. Waternoose, who is by far the creepiest character in this movie. Uh, he's like a friggin' crab spider thing. Like, yeah, he's got... Or kind yeah. of just a crab snowman. I think crab snowman is kind of a better... It's not really a spider. Like crab spider, termite. I don't know, like... Cause crabs, crabs have... Well, do crabs have four, four legs, right? Is there four legs on a crab? eight i think with claws sure maybe it's six with claws but yeah they've got at least three on each side okay so yeah he's a crab but like he's rather than just being like a flat piece he's then got a snowman kind of body he's yeah a crab snowman speaking of snowmans we eventually get to a 
I'm not there yet, Eric. If you if you step on me one more time, it's here, foreshadowing. That's for that's not even foreshadowing. You're just that's a spoiler. I'm trying to trying to feed you a segue, Nate. I'm gonna spoil so many damn things to you. Anyway, uh, yeah, they go through the scaring thing, and this is kind of a scene where Sully realizes what he's doing is wrong. Um, he does this simulation, and Boo is kind of in the room with him in the simulator. He doesn't know that. And he scares this child, and it scares Boo. And he kind of makes the connection that, like, the work that he does is scaring children, and children are not bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's kind of amazing that he never got that, but, like, whatever. Um, yeah. So, Boo kind of runs. Um, Sully finds her, and this is where we get, or this is where... Mr. Waternoose, the crab snowman man, uh, kind of, or figures out that they have a human child, and he banishes Sully and Mike to the tundra. Mm-hmm. Um, there we meet a fun character, uh, the abominable, abominable snowman. Voiced by Pixar legend John Ratzenberger. Because <laughs> he's got to be here, right? Yeah, because he's got to be there. Um, Playing a very weird bit part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had that whole, like, snow cone bit. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, Abominable Snowman, like, both Mike and Sully actually knew him, uh, but for some reason he got banished, which then we find out in Monsters U why he got banished. Um, but they, yeah, they get into a big tussle, Mike and Sully. Um, just Mike is upset that Sully isn't paying attention to him anymore. Is more concerned with the kid, getting jealous of a toddler, whatever. Um, Mike's the real villain in this movie. Um, and Sully then escapes the cave, or yeah, try, basically tries to get to the nearest village so he can get back to the monster world mm -hmm. um, to save Boo. That works for him. Uh, he finds Randall's secret lair and... Yeah, essentially gets Boo out of this, what, a scream extractor? Yeah. Yeah, which that was another real weird scene that I'm glad they didn't spend a lot of time on. Basically, it's a vacuum they hook up to the kid's face, and it extracts screams from them. Right. So, like, imagine, like, you know, people are, kids are scared of monsters, and monsters under the bad monsters in the closet, whatever. But, like... As we saw in, like, pictures that Boo had drawn, like, she knows, she recognizes Randall. Right. Like, she knows that monster because he's, apparently monsters are assigned specific kids. Right. And Randall was her monster. Yep. And um, also, like, with the Scream Extractor, sorry, back to that, like, fortunately, like, that's being run by Mr., um, what's his name again? The, the... The Weird Three-Eye guy the spider dude or the crab guy oh mr waternoose yeah that's like being facilitated facilitated by his assistant basically mm -hmm. um but fortunately like that machine kind of is like malfunctioning or he's having a tough time calibrating it which buys them almost just enough time for mike and sully to get in right yeah uh well, it's not malfunctioning um sully unplugs it yeah, but he, even before that, you know, Mr. Uh, Waternoose was in, like, a huge hurry, and his assistant was, like, you know, doing the typical, oh, I need to, miss, I need to calibrate it type uh, of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but yeah, basically buys him enough time to get down there, rescue uh, Boo, and get out. Um, and then there's, yeah, again, this whole cat and mouse scene. Then we get to Eric's. So they find the card to get Boo's door. Yep. Uh, they swipe that. They try to get it down. Uh, but it's not coming fast enough, so then they ride, they latch onto that door, and then they ride into the scene Eric was describing. The roller coaster sea of doors. Yes. Um, there's a bunch of fun stuff where, yeah, they're basically, they make Boo laugh, so it activates all the doors so they can use them all as portals. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just start running through all of these different ones, popping up in different places in the factory. little montage. Yep. Um... Hawaii, Japan, um, Paris, Paris. Yeah, there was like one kid's bedroom that literally had the Eiffel Tower like straight out the window. Yeah, I was like, it's pretty cool. Okay, bougie ass. Right. Yeah, monsters could scare that kid. I don't give a shit. One of the apartments from Ratatouille. Were they? No. Probably, oh, like could have been. Could have been. Sure. That whole movie's beautiful and like yes, bougie. Uh, actually, fun thing with Ratatouille. Well, no, I'm gonna save that for the Ratatouille episode. I, I got. I can't wait for that one. I got a lot of fun things with that one. Maybe I'll give Nate the fun facts on that Ooh. one. We'll do a little role reversal on that one. Ooh. I'll do plot summary for Ratatouille, and uh, you can get some fun facts. All right. All right. I'll, I'll do the easy work. I'll see what it uh, feels <laughs> like to be the training wheels. And I'll teach you how to re- properly redact a uh, an outline. <laughs> but anyway, um, so we get through that whole scene. Um, Randall's chasing them through all these portals. And... Eventually, they get a one-over on Randall. Um, actually, Boo helps to get the one-over on Randall. Um, rather than being scared of him, she helps Mike beat, or helps Sully beat him up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sully gets uh, Randall and throws him through a door. And then they put that door through a wood chipper. Uh, a little fun fact about the door that they threw him in. Um, that was the trailer in... The trailer that he pops out in, and there's like some, it's like in a bayou. Yeah. And the kid comes out. He's like, Mom, another gator got in the house. Yep. And you can see the shadow of Randall, and she smacks him with a shovel. Um, but that's the exact same trailer from Bug's Life. Yep. Where the little Bug City was located. Where we also saw the Pizza Planet truck parked right next to it. Bingo. Yep. Um, Man, all sorts of Easter eggs. Yep. The more of these you watch, the more you know. Exactly. And if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> I almost feel like I should take a break and tell you. Okay, whatever. Um, but, yeah. So they get they get Randall trapped in there. Um, shred the door. And then they kind of go through. Go back for Mr. Waternoose. Um, and they trick him into basically, yeah. Admitting his whole evil plot. Um, which... I don't, villains are just bad like that. Like, they're just not good. Like, just keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Like, just don't say things. You know? It's <laughs> that video. Uh, uh, never mind. <sighs> this is we'll a, talk about it yeah, off exactly. This is a family-friendly podcast, sort of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to regain our, our identity here. Uh, actually, it's a really funny video, and people should look it up. It's just called... It's these two lawyers talking about... Uh, it's like a, literally an advertisement that they put on Twitter. And it's just called Shut the Fuck Up Fridays. And they tell you how to deal with situations where you run in with law enforcement. Definitely seen this. I love that video. Yeah. 
but anyway, they tricked Waternoose into getting or spilling all of his plans on camera. And then they play it for the the group that contains Childs, like the weird government, essentially monster FBI. Yep. Um, and Same agency that we see, like, um, they appear early on. They kind of descend from the rafters when one of the characters comes into contact with the human and they have to, like, shave him and stuff like that. Yeah. So The they, humans suck. Yeah, they've appeared a few times. But, yeah, yep. some sort of EPA, FBI. Shadow type. government kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so they arrest Waternoose. They get Boo back through the door and then they shred that door mm-hmm. um, as kind of their policy. Like, nope, you can't come back there. Like... Now that she's not scared of monsters and she knows about this place, like we can't risk her coming back. And again, we saw earlier on same agency they like torched evidence under, you know, put a bomb under like a pan. It's like they're that's very much what they do, like yeah. shred, burn, torch any evidence or anything that comes into contact with outside life forms. So yeah, pretty intense. Yes, pretty very, intense. Very intense government agency. Yeah. Um, and then. Yeah, kind of pan out to the outside of the factory. Mike and Sully are leaving, and they're like, I can't believe the factory's shut down. Like, yeah. And then Sully kind of has this idea, like, well, what if we tried to make the kids laugh? Um, And they try that. Saves the energy crisis. Um, There's this whole little bit where um, Mike runs in or goes into a room so Mike is now the kid that, or the monster that's going to be going into kids' rooms. He does, like, a stand-up bit. Basically, um, Billy Crystal playing a, uh, a very hacky version of 80s Billy stand-up Crystal. era Billy Crystal. And it's it's great. Like, swallows the microphone and regurgitates it. And, yeah. yeah, it's, I think he hits himself in the head with it or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like, uh, swallows it, pukes it up, hits himself in the eye, and then the kid just goes bonkers. Yeah. Pretty great. Um, but, yeah, and then kind of like the la- very last scene of the movie, um, Mike brings Sully to this, like, back area and shows him that Mike had gone ha- gone through by hand um, the entire shred pile to find all of the pieces of Boo's door and kind of reassembled it. Um and Mike, or Sully held on to one piece, pops that last piece in, goes into the door, and you hear Boo's voice, Kitty, and that's the end. Yeah, that's final scene. Yeah, and yeah. How, how great is that final scene, man? It's a, it's a tearjerker kind of scene. So good. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the Kitty, it comes from off screen, you don't even see Boo, but it just kind of holds on uh, Sully's reaction. and. Yep. Yeah, you get the impression that everyone, you know, kind of has their days made at the end, and uh, the bad guys get theirs, and, uh, you know, the good ones make it out all right in the end. Exactly. Just a classic Pixar movie. Yeah. But uh, tell you what, man, we're going to take a quick little break here, and we will be right back with a beer review and uh, some fun facts for Monsters, Inc. So stay tuned. Get over here and help me! Oh. Come on, come on, come on, while we're young here, fungus! 
What's up, everybody, and thank you so much for sticking with us. Um, just got done talking about the plot of Monsters, Inc., uh, and now it's time to talk about the Suds portion. Um, so this week, we drank Mike Smash from Tin Whiskers, a hazy IPA with Nelson. I want to say Sauvignon, like like a wine, but Sauvignon. I feel like it's Sauvin. Nelson Sauvin hops and 100% oats. Um I think it's Sauvin. Sauvin, yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah, so Smash IPA. Um, what do you think, Nate? Um, this might be my favorite beer I've had from Tin Whiskers, to be honest. Um, um, a lot, I don't know. I There's been a lot of stuff from them. I, As you know, I'm not a lactose person um, or milk sugar or however you want to phrase that. And a lot of their beers tend to have that, so I don't drink a lot of them yeah um but between yeah but this one might be my favorite um their sherbet or the yeah rainbow road one's also pretty good but like in a weird tastes exactly like fruity pebbles way um but i like it but this one um it's got a real light body which was very surprising to me um like it doesn't coat your tongue necessarily like a lot of hazies do um but it catches me in the cheeks in the cheeks, really? Yeah. Hmm. No, I'm not getting that. Not a hop burn, but a hop linger. Not that I dislike it, but... Yeah. Also, yeah, it's a really nice hop flavor. Um, it's got a, a little bit more carbonation than, like, most hazies have, which I kind of like. Yeah. Um, it does have a little lingering hop burn on it, though, for the back of the throat. But really good flavor. Um, yeah. Yeah, and the oats, I think that just makes the whole body a little smoother. So that's what I was wondering, because I know, like, I think when hazies, you know, obviously hazies are unfiltered, but mm -hmm. also, like, a lot of times you'll see lactose, oats, low carbonation, sometimes all three. Yep. Do the oats kind of 
replicate the same effect that adding lactose does? Does it kind of just smoothen out the mouthfeel and body? I think that is the function of the oats. Okay. Or the reason you would do it. Um, like, I mean, you think about like hazies that, because like Modest uses oats most of the time. Um, and yeah, like their, their hazies tend to be very smooth. Granted, they do a lot of other things and they've got their whole filtration system, which is a one of a kind crazy thing like if you haven't looked into it look into it it's real weird yeah um, looks like a weird ass centipede um but yeah i think oats for the most part are supposed to smooth the texture of it i feel like i remember uh brewer ben telling uh telling me that which shout out don't know if he's uh still listening these days but no he's still brewing still yep. love that dude yeah used to brew at uh bald man and is now over at indeed so yeah. If you're drinking indeed, chances are Ben Hebel had a chance in uh putting the juice together. So yeah. shout outs. And if you are listening, Ben, come visit. Maybe yeah. write. Maybe write every once in a while. I don't know. Give us a call. And we miss you. <laughs> <laughs> burn up, burn up, burn up, burn up, burn up. <laughs> yeah. That's the outro song for today. That's it. Ten thousand miles. Whoo. Banger. Yep. Vanessa Carlson riding around on that piano through a friggin' town. One <sighs> image. Magic. But yeah. Simpler um, times. But yeah, for this beer, I think I would do... Um, I think I'm going to go like a four... I'm going to go 4-2 on it. Dang. That's a solid review from uh, Suds, Bud's, uh, Suds Bud Nathan. Hey. Nathaniel to you, sir. Um, I liked it too. I've had some Tin Whiskers stuff I liked in the past. Some I didn't. Um, little biased. Try not to be. We got a friend of the show and just a good friend, Julian, still working over there. Um, hmm. Yeah, a lot of good stuff going on in this one. I've kind of talked about on the show and off air. Hazies aren't my top style for a number of reasons, but, uh, the thing I like about this one is it's not just like juice, like a beer that's trying to taste like a, you know, a tropical juice. Um, it's got a lot of flavors that I associate with like a super dank, piney West Coast IPA. And for that, I love it. Great color, great body. Um, yeah, super hazy, but also you get that like kind of like hoppy piney resiny taste yeah it just kind of sticks with you but it's like nice yep um not overly aggressive more of like a subtle yeah yeah it's it's definitely a beer that kind of defies my 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 palate i guess makes me realize that maybe i do like hazies <laughs> so that being said i'm gonna put it at a I don't think we match scores very often, but I'm going to put it at a 4-2. Um, That's why I like to go first sometimes, just in case. Yeah. I feel like slightly different reasons. Maybe we're picking up different things or we like it for different reasons. But, um, yeah, for me, it's just almost... I mean, this is weird, but it kind of tastes like weed. I mean, sure. associating with a lot of those flavors. Uh, another friend of the show, Andy... Uh, he gave me a beer this past week that had like terpine terpenes in it, mm-hmm. which is like a, you know, turpentine. 
It wasn't turpentine. <laughs> it was like terpenes, I think. I think that's how you pronounce it. But piece of the the cannabis or cannabis plant that is non psychoactive and doesn't contain any THC, but basically a beer beer that smelt and tasted like weed. And this reminds me of that, but far this is far less intense. Um, <laughs> so yeah, four twos across the board for mm-hmm. Tin Whiskers. Mike Smash. Check it out. It's a good one. Um, and Cub Foods, Roseville, Cub Foods Liquor. They got it. Hell yeah. All right. We're going long this week, but uh, I'm going to try to breeze through these fun facts. We got a lot of them. It's our favorite part of the show. Love the fun facts. So let's kick it off. We got Monsters, Inc. fun facts. Did you know Pixar came up with the idea for Monsters, Inc., Finding Finding Nemo, uh, Wally? And a bug's life all over a lunch meeting in 1994. Jesus Christ. That's a very successful lunch meeting. Yeah. It was, that's literally like a, a multi-billion dollar lunch meeting. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. When you got Steve Jobs on board, you got to strike while the iron's hot, as they say. <laughs> I guess. Shit. All right. So, pretty cool. 1994, before their first feature film was even released, and they're already workshopping um, movies that we'd be seeing coming out over the next decade. So, Mm -hmm. impressive. Should see what we come up with at our lunch meetings. Got a lot (laughs) of shit in the fire. The Sudsbuds lunch meetings are pretty spicy. Mm -hmm. Usually some Nelson's Deli involved. Today there wasn't, but we replaced it with some bean bags, and we won't talk about what happened on the show because I'm not trying to make my co-host cry, <laughs> at least not on air. Um, so moving along, did you know that Boo is voiced by one of the story artist's daughters? Uh, fun fact about this: she was like, I want to say two when they started making the movie, so about the same age as Boo, and you know, kind of incoherent ramblings that fit the character. But Pixar movies are not made overnight, so this was like a five-year production, so it got kind of tough towards the end when she was now in kindergarten, and they're still finishing up recordings. So they actually kind of like recorded her dialogue and chopped it up and spliced it together to make some lines sound incoherent as she aged. So yeah, it was her voice all along, but as she grew out of that toddler stage, they basically took a kindergarten age kid's voice and made it sound more goo goo gaga very good all right kind of cool yeah uh did you know that sully has more than 2.3 million strands of hair again another one of those crazy pixar things where i was gonna include more stuff on this but there was like a whole page on just sully's hair and like this new program that they built or bought or licensed to autonomously generate hair on a cgi body it was weird yep it's um uh yeah welcome to the fun segment where i talk about (laughs) cgi and just holy shit how much work and processing power that takes yeah like i mean you're if you're if you're animating all of these and you need them to all move not necessarily independently but slightly dependent on each other like like if you were to blow through like yeah if you were to blow through hair like each piece moves slightly less than the the one before it and they've got to animate that and do the textures on it and change the lighting on it 
but then do that 2.1 million times or 4.1 2.3 million times and i don't want to say that that detail isn't valuable but i mean it's like people have their expectations and then what pixar delivers is just tenfold more than what people could expect i mean especially at the time this movie came out in 01 and it's not like it was it was for nothing i mean in the very first scene when sully's like sleeping we see him snoring before his alarm clock goes off and he's like his snores are so deep and so heavy and so breathy that you see the the fur on his arm blowing like a wave Mm -hmm. you know so it's you know i just wanted to point out not for nothing yeah well and like you say like we don't expect it but when you see when you see that level of detail like it doesn't register how much work went in it registers oh this is very realistic yes like that's what it is and like yeah a lot of that stuff like a lot of this very tedious kind of work ends up just making the movie believable but like not not that you're thinking about it it's just like oh that's how that would behave yeah i get that and also i don't want to get too much into comparing this to other films because i feel like we've done quite a bit of that um but how much better does this look than bug's life i mean came out three years later and just so much cleaner yep and i mean very different bug's life is almost all exteriors it's a lot of like replicating natural sunlight whereas this is mostly interiors but yeah just the the shadows the textures the lighting all the character models just everything looks a lot more um it's a lot easier on the eyes than bug's Mm. life was but yep um moving along did you know that uh boo's toy collection is a treasure trove of pixar easter eggs um among her toys are the luxo ball um jesse from toy story 2 and nemo from finding nemo which was released after monsters inc and that's a fun that i think that's a fun bit because now like they're getting into the they already know what's coming up so they're just dropping things in they knew six years before this what was coming up. They're, yep. They're wizards, man. Like you said, Pixar movies aren't made overnight, and they're sure as shit not just working on one. No. Because otherwise we'd have, yeah, ten years between every movie. Just right. some grotesque amount. And now these days we're getting like one a summer, it feels like. Yep. I just hope they stay good. I, I gotta imagine they are. I mean... We'll find out at the end of the series, I guess. Exactly. We'll see if there's another one by the time we yeah by the time we finish this man i really hope there is but i don't think there will be we're we're gonna we're gonna if there is we're gonna try to rent out a whole theater and just do the show do the episode live oh that'd be great man that'd be great (laughs) no seriously that'd be an awesome idea do a little do a little live show before uh before a premiere or after i think maybe after a screening sure you know we're gonna do screening of the night we're gonna do it in the theater i love that you know, stick around afterwards. Yes, yep. absolutely. And even if we finish this show ahead of time, I think we resurrect it for the next Pixar film and do that. Just do one episode every time Pixar decides to release a film. See, that's that's why you're here, Nate. Exactly. I, got, I, I came up with that at a lunch meeting. Check it out. It's not just your sultry game show uh, <laughs> host voice. Um, Did you know Bill Murray was Pixar's first choice for Sully? But uh, he never responded to their calls, so they just kind of took the hint. Hmm. But, you know. I think John Goodman, I don't know. It's John hard to beat Goodman that. would have been better. Can I say, though, this movie, present day, 
Monsters, Inc. comes out 2022, let's say. Mm-hmm. How good of a tandem for Sully and Mike would uh, Rock and Kevin Hart be? <laughs> Pretty that, perfect, right? Yeah, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I mean, Rock is also like kind of, he could portray the character that John Goodman plays too, which is kind of this lovable, jocular, high school quarterback type character in Monsters, Inc., but without all the negative qualities. Like, mm-hmm. they could have made him seem so, Sully I'm talking about, they could have made Sully seem like, such a dick in this one but like when he first walks into the factory you know after training he's high-fiving everyone and you know big man on campus big man on campus but also like showing some love and i feel like rock would do a perfect job and i think kevin hart could give that kind of you know he could be like the antithesis to that but not in a bad way just kind of the neurotic quick-witted one yes i think that would be a lot of fun recasting pixar movies love it um uh, so did you know that uh, John Goodman, voice of Sully, and Billy Crystal, voice of Mike Wazowski, they recorded their lines together? A rarity in animation and Pixar world, but also something that's very similar to the uh, Tim Allen, I almost said Woody Allen, and uh, um, Tom Hanks duo. So, kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Um I think it was, yeah, I think this is going to be a fun fact for next week's one, but I might as well throw it out here. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of their stuff, their lines that were allegedly incredibly inappropriate. Um, A large portion of it that was, uh, was obviously did not make the film, but I guess uh, Mr. Goodman and Mr. Crystal were having a good time and taking some liberties in the booth (laughs) again, allegedly. Sure. Um, so did you know, here's, here's kind of a long one, but also very interesting. So Pete Docter, who we've talked about before, um, kind of a Pixar OG, his original pitch was to have a grown man be haunted by the monsters that he drew as a child. And on Jeff Goldsmith's creative writing podcast, director Pete Docter recounted his original pitch saying, quote, my idea was that what it was about was a 30 year old man who was like an accountant or something. You know, he hates his job. And one day he gets a book with some drawings in it that he did when he was a kid, and he, he gets this book from his mom. And he doesn't think any, anything of it, and he puts it on the shelf, and that night monsters show up, and nobody else can see them. And he thinks he's starting to go crazy. You know, these monsters start following him to his job and on his dates, and it turns out that these monsters are fears that he's never dealt with, as a kid and each one of them represents a different kind of fear and uh so yeah basically he goes about conquering those fears uh the guy who he slowly becomes kind of friends with they disappear it's this bittersweet kind of ending where they all go away and uh yeah not so much of that stayed in monsters inc but sure they kind of took the first part and then they left out the rest of it yeah i mean and i think on paper there's some stuff about monsters inc that probably sounds pretty dark but they do a good job of making it kid friendly mm-hmm. but this premise sounds way more like first of all i love it i want to see this movie yeah but i want to see like this movie is a tim burton movie that could you be you know what one. i mean yeah like a real i don't know that yeah that would just be a wild thing because you wouldn't even necessarily need to show what the monsters are right away like that would be kind of a self-discovery thing 
yeah. and then he kind of works on his own problems. But expecting a kid to relate to a, you know, a 30 year old's inner demons coming up from his <laughs> past. That's a little deep, but it's asking a lot. Don't get me wrong. I love this pitch and I love this, this premise. So, um, yeah, hopefully something like that gets made animated. I think it'd be great. Um, did you know that Bob Peterson, the guy who voices Doug in the Pixar film Up, is the same guy who voices Roz, the <laughs> Mr. Wazowski? You didn't file your papers last night. One of my favorite characters She's in this great. movie. Weird, like slug with like a pointy, yeah, like a pointy hairdo. Yep. Yeah, she's fun. Also, she comes up in next week's episode just mm-hmm. briefly, though. Um, did you know that there are about 5.7 million doors in the door vault? Did you know this is the fourth <laughs> film John Goodman and Steve Buscemi have done together, but only the first movie the two have collaborated on that was not directed or produced by my faves, the Coen brothers. Huh. Well, kind of a fun one. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. Steve I love Buscemi. both of them. What's They're Steve both Buscemi gems. up to, to now? I don't know. Probably, I don't know. Probably just being weird. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Frank Oz, best known for his work as a Muppet puppeteer and voice of Yoda, came up with the name for one of the leading characters in the film, Mike Wazowski. Oz is also the voice of Randall's assistant, uh, Jeff Fungus. That's right. It's just, I forgot about that character. Literally just a three-eyed monster, like, a very basic-looking monster, and his name is Jeff. Like, <laughs> Randall calls him Fungus a few times, but, like... Yeah, Jeff. Jeff. What's up, Jeff? Yeah. Like, monster name. I mean, like, all of them have very casual names, but there's something about Jeff that feels so nonchalant. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, that uh, brings us to the end of this week's Fun Facts for Monsters, Inc. So, uh, we're going to take one last quick little break here, and then we will be right back for one more beer review and some music facts for Monsters, Inc. So, cheers and stay tuned. Testing, testing. Hey, good evening. How are you? How are you? Nice to see you. I tell you, it's great to be here in your room. Where are you from? Never mind. You're in kindergarten, right? Oh, I love kindergarten. Best three years of my life. Of my life. But I love sports. Dodgeball was the best. Oh, yeah. I was the fastest one out there. Of course, I was the ball. But I, I was the ball. See? All right. What is up, everybody? Thank you for staying with us. We are back for our final segment of the show. And uh, before I get into the music of Monsters, Inc., I think we crack beverage number two for the night. Very excited about this one. Uh, Comes to us from Modest Brewing. Um, The Fang and Bone New Zealand-style oak-aged pilsner. Um. It made it sound like they've done this one before, um, but I've, I've never seen it. Uh, very excited about it. Uh, yeah, 
coming in at 5.3. So this is this is a heavier Pilsner then. Yeah, but with that yeah. oakage, you can kind of hide it. True. But let's uh, let's crack open. You want to say it? Let's crack open the conversation. Ooh, that's Feel- a nice one. Feels good every time. But yeah. Uh, so while you're pouring this up, um, I guess some fun facts about Modest. Modest is located in Minneapolis, um, not too far from Target Field, actually. Um, fun tap room. Like you said, they have a crazy filtration process there mm-hmm. that they do. Um, they really specialize in um, IPAs. They do a lot of sours. Um, great brewery. Just, yeah, one of the standouts in town. Um, you know, would recommend them. I mean, if someone's flying in and new to the city and they ask me what are five breweries to check out nearby, like, you got to put them on the list. Yep. Um, they're just good. So, as we're sipping this, let's talk about the music. Um, Monsters, Inc. was Randy Newman's fourth feature film collaboration with Pixar. Going strong for many years. Um, The soundtrack peaked at number 25 on the U.S. Billboard Top Soundtracks. Always kind of a common thing with... uh, the Pixar films, I feel like their music always charts pretty well. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, the movies are popular enough where, like, I feel like if the movie was shit, the soundtrack's not charting. It doesn't really matter how good the soundtrack might be. Yeah. The movie's shit. There's nothing they can do about it. And if you can market to kids with, you know, paying parents. Yep. Especially at this era. There's so many kids who probably had their parents buy that CD for them. <laughs> Adorable. Adorable. Um, so this is kind of fun. Did you know that the uh, album was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Original Score and a Grammy Award for Best Score um, Soundtrack for a Visual Media? Um, unfortunately, the score lost both these awards to Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, which came out at the same time. Yeah. Um, but after many nominations, um, the song If I Didn't Have You finally won randy newman his first academy award for best original song that was after 16 nominations okay so i know earlier in the episode i said Ten Thousand miles by vanessa carlson was going to be our outro song um i feel like if he if this was the first one he won for it and that song i mean plus it's john goodman and song all right well tell you what we'll leave it up to sam maybe sam if you're listening i hope our producer listens i know he listens to some of it uh maybe have a vanessa carlson as like a transitional piece um you know after a break or something there we go okay yeah just uh, maybe yeah between the last segment and this segment that'd be fine if i didn't have you written by randy newman sung by billy crystal and and john goodman we got to have that take also, us home. It's also just funny to think of John Goodman recording a song. Yeah. Like, okay. Also, you know, I just like the fact that you're giving Randy Newman props for once, so we got to have it just for that reason. <clears throat> yeah. Fair. Fair enough. All right. But I digress. So, yeah, he won an Academy Award for uh, Best Original Song and Grammy for Best Song Written for Visual Media. So that's very cool. Yeah. It's good to see Mr randall newman get his friggin randy 
But uh, that's about all I got for music for today. Thought I had more for this one, but a uh, couple couple good ones in there. Yeah. Um, what are you thinking of this beer in front of us right now? Uh, I'm a big fan. Um, really do like Pilsner's. Um, it's not necessarily the most exciting style, um, but if they're done well, they're very good. Um, not getting a ton of the oak out of it, but I'm getting, I think, about as much as I'd want in a Pilsner. Like, I was a little worried that this was just going to taste like, take because a Pilsner doesn't, there's nothing for it to hide behind. Yeah. I was a little worried it was going to, like, taste like I'm licking the inside of a barrel. Right. Um. But like it's there, it's just a very subtle oak. Definitely tasting a lot more New Zealand than oak. This is definitely a beer that tastes like New Zealand. And how would you describe the flavor of New Zealand? Oh, you know, just uh, you know, little like like a blooming onion. Uh, I'm just, I'm just gonna put this out there in case anybody's confused. This beer does not taste like a blue and onion, um, in no way, shape or form. Yeah. And I, yeah. I've never seen New Zealand. Um, I, I've seen Czech Pilsners. I've seen Italian Pilsners. I've seen German Pilsners, but, uh, New Zealand is mm-hmm. Island. It's a, that's a new one. New one for me. I, uh, I don't know, but I like it. Yeah. It's just a very, very subtle Oak flavor. Um, but ridiculously smooth. I get it on the nose. Mm-hmm. I get the oakiness on the nose for sure. I've got like a little bit right at the tail end. Just like it finishes on a note that wasn't really present in the beer. You know, where like a finishing note, like it kind of builds up to the finish. Yeah. Like this just kind of pops in. It's like, and there's this weird flavor right here. Yeah, as far as flavor goes, I mean, maybe it's, there's something in this that kind of is, like, reminiscent of agave. Maybe that's where the oak is coming from. Hmm. I wonder what the barrels were used for prior. I don't know if it says anything. I don't think that's you'd... a good question. I don't think you'd age tequila and oak. Maybe you would. I don't know. I don't know shit about making tequila. Uh, New Zealand-style Pilsner aged in our oak fodders. Oh. Fodders. Okay. Then, uh... Uh, hopped and dry hopped with New Zealand Wakatu and Nelson Sauvin. So another Nelson Sauvin. Hey. Does not taste like weed. Nope. It's kind of weird, a dry hopped Pilsner. That was unexpected. But, alright. Um, also I love that they've got a photo now. Like, that's just, that's just gonna be fun for yeah. them and for everybody involved. Like, if you're not familiar, they're just a huge barrel. Like those cartoonishly huh. large barrels that like you see, like if you ever watch like a weird cheesy German movie and it's around like an Oktoberfest or um, yeah, any beer festival and there's those giant barrels, that's what those are. Interesting. See, yeah. I, I was confused, misled, because I had a buddy in high school, Andrew, and he always kept his papers in his folder. <laughs> we always told him, we're like, Andrew, it's not how you say it, dude. But, you know, he... He had a tough time pronouncing his L's. <sighs> that sucked. Andrew Pastor, if big, you're listening. Big fan. Shout out. Uh, <laughs> hope you still call it your folder. Your folder. That's that's pretty good. But the thing yes. is, too, is the guy was like an assassin. So, like, you know, an assassin with a 
with a, a lisp or a slight speech impediment is it's a very endearing quality. It's like unassuming on the surface, but also like dude went to like uh ranger school and whatnot. So Oh shit. Yeah, yeah. He did like night drops out of helicopters when I was like trying my, my you know first case day in college okay yeah very cool yeah yeah very so cool. so sh- truly shout outs yep don't yep. hurt me <laughs> please don't hurt please don't kill eric or if you're gonna kill eric um would you be interested in co-hosting a podcast yeah you could take my spot yeah got a, got a good voice i can bring dusty back <laughs> wait so you're, you're gonna leave too or is it gonna be a trio no a trio oh yeah okay well, why don't we just bring Dusty back then? Uh, that's, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I just don't know if I could handle both of you two being in a room. I think the power dynamic would be a little off, and I just couldn't deal with that. Ooh, so you're saying you're scared. No. Um, you know what, it's, okay. bring, it's okay. I can bring I one person back on the rails. I cannot bring two. Hmm. Fair. Fair. <laughs> I, see, I, see what, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah um do we want to do our final rankings or do we want to review this beer first let's review the beer um actually is there more in there i want it there is and i'm gonna have it all oh you monster hey i did a joke i did a joke there did you get it called you a monster they monster zinc they did got you get it, it? hey they, they got, got it. it um yeah well you can start this one off i took the last one um i like it there's i gotta get one more swig here Yeah, um, I like it. As far as pilsners go, not my favorite. Um, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's just I like a little bit hoppier pilsner, kind of that uh, the Czech style. Okay. At, or even last summer, I know one of my favorites that I've talked about numerous times on the program, uh, the Fugazi from uh, Blackstack, mm. their Italian style pilsner. Um, little drier than this one a um, little more of a hop character I feel like a little more carbonation just uh they were more memorable this is good this is different I think it's a little sweet it is a little sweet which is not a taste I usually associate with Pilsners but um I don't hate it I drink it again I I haven't had a beer that I'd pour out from modest ever. So, uh, all that being said, uh, 3.7 from Ooh, me on, okay. uh, what's the name one more time on this bad boy? The Fang and Bone. Fang and Bone, New Zealand style Oak Age Pilsner. Uh, yeah, good job on the, picking this one up. Definitely ties in with the, the theme of the episode. Yeah. And yeah. also very cool artwork on that. Yep. It is by far their most subtle, um, can I've seen. Um, for me... I think about the only thing or one thing I would have liked to see is a little more carbonation in this beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that comes as any surprise. Yeah. But um, I really do enjoy it. For sure, I'm going to buy it again. Um, I know, I think they just released this one not that long ago. I remember seeing different posts about it. It's a new one to me. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go a good amount higher. I'm probably going to put this at a four probably a four four wow nice yeah. um again th- this is just like a it's crushable but there's there's things going on like if you want to look for the different notes you can but you could also just drink a lot of this 
Um, it's a high B plus in Suds Buds Land. It is a high B plus. Uh, big fan. Like I said, the only thing I honestly kind of like that it's not as dry. Yeah. Um, it doesn't. You know, like uh, when we had, well, ours was an IPL, but um, when we do like the the bartender pour, the slow pour for it, um, yes, where it kind of cut out some of that bitterness, it kind of reformed the beer. This tastes like that. Yeah. Like where it's just not as aggressively bitter, um, which I, I kind of like, actually. Um, I don't think Pilsner should be bitter necessarily. Well, not not. Well, I mean, again, ours was an IPL, yeah. so not a, it was not a Pilsner, but in but, that vein, like, it was essentially a slightly bitter lager. Yes. Which a Pilsner can be very close to that. Yeah. I mean, it's got a lot of other things, but it's a pretty close comparison. Um, but yeah, the slow pour would kind of cut out some of that bitterness, and you'd be left with just a very smooth, crushable beer. Right. Um, big fan. Yeah. So pretty high rating on that one. Nice. Big fan. Just more carbonation, please. I'm going to figure out how to do a soda stream into beers. Then I'll, then I'll have my druthers. When you do bring it on the show. I'm curious <laughs> to see how it works. And I have an absurd, absurdly carbed hazy pail. And we're going to see how that works. Yes, please. <laughs> All right, so we got our beer ratings in. Um, music ratings, anything that stood out to you? I mean, there's really only the there's the one song. It's kind of hard to do music ratings with like scores, because like each one is made to fit a specific scene. So I feel like you're gonna pick whatever song is with your favorite scene in the movie, if that makes sense. I'm gonna say it here right now think we need to do away with the music ratings just as the lack of original tunes pop up especially lyrical ones Mm -hmm. i think we'll still talk about the music you know maybe when we're all said and done maybe reflect on our favorite songs sure um but i think this whole idea of keeping a running tally of that it's just uh it's a little bit of a reach at this point yeah especially once we're we're getting to those cars movies um i know there's a rihanna song and more licensed music huh there's a lot more licensed music yeah there's a rihanna song there's a uh who sings the life is a highway one um rascal flat rascal flat song there's yeah they really played into that cars thing so um yeah i'd be i'd be cool with that i mean yeah. if there's a notable song in there we'll still the music facts it. but maybe just not ranking them yeah I did love the music of this film. I mean, very jazzy, mm-hmm. um, fast tempo, snap your fingers to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was nice. It still had that Randy Newman sound to it, but it was a lot more, you know, kind of these, this noodly, you know, a lot more horn, just like, you know, you just walked yep. into a jazz lounge mid set and this is, you know, some dude's just going to town and it's Randy Newman. It's always Randy Newman. Uh, so I liked it, but yeah, as far as like individual pieces, uh, it's, it's the song we're going to close with, you know, that's, that's the standout one. I think we both agree on it. Reluctantly, but yeah, fine. Billy Crystal and John Goodman going back and forth. All right. All right. And if you look it up, actually, there's a live performance of that. I believe at the Grammys from that year with those two. And it is 
warms my heart. Definitely watching that after we finish recording. We'll watch it between the breaks. Okay. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I guess all we got left is our villain rating and our film rating. So villain rating, I guess we kind of got two in this. We've got Randall and we've got Mr. Is it? Uh, Water Noose. Water Noose. Yep. It's a weird name. I always forget I, it. I feel like there's there's probably something with that last name because that's a very peculiar, peculiar last name. Um, I think Water Noose is more evil in this film. Okay. Like, or maybe not. Hmm. It's a tough one. I think he's a lot more dangerous. I think he's got a lot further reach and a lot more power than Randall does. Randall's kind of a bit part. He just really has it out for Mike, Sully, and and the kid. See, I I kind of disagree there because there's that whole part where Randall, like, where Mike accuses Randall of cheating to like beat the all-time scare record. And Randall's like, like, he's about to freak out. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's what I was doing. And he does say later in the movie, like, he doesn't give a crap about the the scare record. Yeah. Like, he wants to win it, but he doesn't care that much about it. Like, Randall is kind of a goon. Waternoose is the brains behind the operation. Um, actually, and, well, I don't know. Randall did try to kill Sully, like, twice. I'm not saying he's not evil. I just think Waternoose is a lot more dangerous on a big scale because he is kind of a, a crooked suit, if you will. Whereas Randall, I think, is more kind of a misled or a rebellious, um, destructive uh, laborer type. I don't think he's as dangerous on a grand scale. Like, I don't think Randall alone would have the power to take over the whole company. No. I don't think he's smart or charismatic enough. He's. I think his biggest quality is he's he's slimy, you know, and he's sleuthy. He can, and that they really play on that, you know. He's kind of he's the most kind of. Uh, Someone who's always lurking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think in fairness, because I don't think Waternoose would be able to do what happened in that movie without Randall. Um, so I think we kind of have to do put them in as a tag team. Sure. Into this ranking. The Waternoose, Randall. Let's like, do it. Let's like, put them as, as one and the same. Yeah, because like those two, I mean, Randall's doesn't seem like he's the smartest guy. And yeah, Waternoose is the brains. Randall was the the hands, the the grease ball, the the goon. But they're both devoted to the same crooked agency. Yeah. So. Yeah. I guess where do they fall amongst your Pixar villains? Well, up top we got Lotso, and he's staying right there. Um, I don't think that they're more evil than Hopper. They had. I mean, their intentions were to keep the factory open and help prevent the rolling blackouts. Mm. But they were willing to abduct a child to do that. So basically, good intentions with a real fucked up moral compass. Uh, I think they're going to go probably below Hopper. Sure. So it's going to be Lotso, Hopper... Uh, Waternoose and Randall, and then I think I got Sid coming in at number four there. Sounds right. Yeah. Um, we'll make sure we put that on paper as soon as we wrap. But. Yeah. Um, okay. That's fair. Um, I think for me, I'm going to put them just above Big Al. Okay. I think uh, Big Al is maybe more dangerous, just 
being a grown human, I don't think these monsters would stand much of a chance against human adults. But I think... Uh, I don't, there's not really a size disparity between them. Not a huge size disparity, but they kind of... They figured out kids. But I think, you know, the way they kind of get away and, and escape when they sense adults coming. Because we don't really see them, but we hear them. I think that's kind of like the ultimate predator in their world is like human adults. I mean, there is that whole thing with like trying, making sure the monster world doesn't get discovered. Right. Yeah. You know, because I think maybe it has to do with imagination too. But I think, you know, avoid adults at all costs is kind of one of the themes in monsters world. Sure. Um, So for that reason, I think Al is maybe more dangerous than the monsters, but... I don't think he's nearly as evil Mm-mm. as Waternoose or Randall. So for that reason, I'll put them just above Randall, or excuse me, just above Big Al, and I think that puts them just below, either just below Hopper or just below Sid. But either way, right above the uh, uh, the Big Al spot. Sorry, a lot of sure. names thrown out there. Um, and finally film rating we'll do this snake order so i'll give mine here um and last place i have toy story 2 i like it better than that in second to last place i have bug's life i like it better than that third to last i have toy story 3 i believe I like it better than that Next, I have Toy Story 4. I like it better than that. Wow. I think I'm going to put Monsters, Inc. in my number two spot behind Toy Story. Love the music. I love the visuals. I love the funny uh, buddy duo that we get. It, it's just, it's comedy. They're they're funny. It's lighthearted. It's, it's, you know, there's some dark stuff, but at the end of the day, I think their relationship on screen is a lot healthier and a lot funnier than that of Buzz and Woody. So for that reason, you know, while I think the first Toy Story movie means more and is a better movie than Monsters, Inc., mm-hmm. I think Monsters, Inc. is just right below. Okay. So. Number two spot. All right. Damn. Big moves today. Big moves. Um, so for me... <sighs> I think it's coming in at number three. So I will agree that I like it better than Bugs Life. I disagree with your Bugs Life down at the towards the bottom here. But um, wait, what was that? I disagree with your having Bugs Life down towards the bottom. I think Bun- Bugs Life is an underappreciated movie. Okay. Um, but well, we'll see. We'll see. We've still yeah. got like twenty more to go. Yeah. So coming from the top though, uh, Toy Story one still up there. Then I got Toy Story 4, and then Monsters, Inc., and then Bugs Life is right below that. Okay. Yep. Um, and then I got uh, Toy Story 3, and then Toy Story 2 at the bottom. Just not a big Toy Story 3 guy, huh? Toy Story 3 was good. Um, I don't know. It just... Yeah, I don't know. They... Again, Woody, Woody being the shit he, shithead that he is. Uh, sorry, I take that. No, yeah, I don't really take that back. Woody's a self-centered asshole. Do you like uh, Mike Wazowski more than Woody? Absolutely. All right. But absolutely. you still got beef with Mike. Huh? You still got beef with Mike. I don't got beef with Mike. You said something yeah, earlier in the episode. I got a little but... beef with Mike. Um, Got a little beef with Mike. That's fine, though. 
Um, but yeah, I, de- yeah, definitely coming in at number three there. Okay. Yep. I mean, we're talking all ri- like the only movie so far. It's not that I didn't like it. It just wasn't nearly as good as probably Toy Story 2. These are all fantastic movies that we're dealing with. I agree. So ranking them, I, yeah, is a little difficult because, like, they're all top tier so far. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, right on, man. Well, I think that brings this show to a close. Again, we've been talking Monsters, Inc. for the last better part of the last two hours here. Oof um yeah oof is right but if you haven't watched it ever or in a while go check it out it's a goodie um if you're feeling thirsty check out uh modest and tin whiskers we drank their products on the show good stuff and uh be sure to follow us on social media that's instagram at uh suds buds pod or suds buds pod at gmail.com uh, feel free to rate our podcast. We appreciate that. It's available on most major platforms, SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, and Spotify. And with all that, I guess uh, it's just uh, John Goodman and, and Billy Crystal left to take us home. Playing us out. All right. We'll catch you next time. If I were a rich man. With a million or two I'd live in a penthouse In a room with a view And if I were handsome No way It could happen Cause dreams do come true I wouldn't have nothing If I didn't have you Wouldn't have nothing If I didn't have Wouldn't have nothing If I didn't something for years i have envied you green with it your grace and your charm everyone loves you you know yes i know i know i know but i must admit it big guy you always come through i wouldn't have nothing if i didn't have you That's how it always should be One without the other Don't mean nothing to me Nothing to me Yeah, I wouldn't be nothing If I didn't have you to serve I'm just a punky little eyeball And a funky optic noise never told you this sometimes I get a little blue looks good on you but I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have you let's dance <laughs> Sully. 
Because I wouldn't know where to go. Me too. Because I wouldn't know what to do. Why you keep singing my part? I don't have to say it. I say it anyway. Because we both know it's true. I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have. I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have. I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have. Say it. Where'd everybody come from? All with boys.